Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and affirm the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so, allow your inheritance in the name of the covenant of blood to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break all burden and sin that binds us. In the name of Jesus Christ, may in this place be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, phobia, destruction, depression, all of this let it depart from the tents of your holy people. And stand, Lord, on the place of your rest, you and the ark of your greatness. And may your saints be clothed in your salvation, and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and allow us to find your holy countenance. We are grateful to you that this service is presented in your divine arms, and we ask you to continue to lead and guide it with your high and uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. May you be blessed, you may be seated. The book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 22 through 24. Set aside the former way of life of the old man, growing corrupt in its deceitful lusts, and be renewed by the spirit of your mind, and be clothed into the new man, created by God in righteousness and holiness of truth. And so we will talk about our right to set aside our former way of life in order to clothe our bodies into the new way of life. And for the fulfillment of this commandment that is presented to us in the series of Apostle Arkady, there are three faithful and foundational actions that are here. This is to set aside, to renew, and to clothe. From answering, answering these questions will depend whether we turn ourselves into vessels of mercy or into vessels of wrath, or rather, we perfect the salvation that is given to us in the format of a seed given to us in salvation, which in these three actions are necessary to place into salvation the death of the circulation, the death of the Lord Jesus, to gain it as a belonging in the format the fruit of righteousness. Otherwise, we will lose justification given to us. We have stopped to study the 18th Psalm of David that uncovers the contents of a just prayer in the eight names of God Most High. Knowledge and proclamation of the eight names contained in the heart of David in the eight names of God had allowed David to love and to call on the Lord who is worthy to be praised in order to be saved from his enemies. And for God, knowledge and proclamation of the truth that uncovers the powers of his names in the heart of David gave the basis to enact the capabilities of these names and battle against the enemies of David. So this psalm that we are going to read, Psalm 18, these names are mighty. And when we place them into our heart, we do this firstly to demonstrate before God, Lord, I love you and I call upon you. I don't use these names in order 
I use these names in order to tell God, I love you and I call upon you. Protect me in your strength. Be my living shield. And this prompts God to come out and to be our shield. And we ought to understand this. Pastor wrote this very beautifully. What and how this occurs. And so Psalm 18 verses 1 through 4. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my strength and my rock, my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, a stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be saved, so shall I be saved from my enemies. And so the eight names of God, we together, please, right now, are going to triumphantly proclaim them as Pastor does this on Fridays. We will do this uh, for some time on Tuesdays as well. So let us proclaim, Lord, you are my strength. Lord, you are my rock. Lord, you are my fortress. Lord, you are my deliverer. Lord, you are my strength. Lord, you are my shield. Lord, you are the horn of my salvation. Lord, you are my stronghold. Let the Lord hear these words and let Him make them firm in our hearts and may He make them and us immovable for us who wait for salvation, salvation of our soul as well as the adoption of our body. And so we have stopped together to study on Tuesdays at the name of God, my strength. This is the first name. And in scripture, the strength of the Most High is one of the names of God as well as one of the unchanging characteristics of God. In Hebrew, the word strength, which relates to God and His Word, contains in itself these unearthly dignities. The strength in the name of the Most High is this constructive and contrite force of the words of the Most High. It's the power, might, and potential in the Word of the Most High. It's the possibility of the Most High and the capability of the Most High. It's the truth of the Most High and the holiness of the Most High. It is the wealth of the Most High and the abundance of the Most High. It is the steadfastness and loyalty of the Most High to His Word. It is the unbrokenness of the Most High and the beauty of the Most High. It is the immutability of the Most High in form, in quality, and in condition. And so this, in such rich semantics, we were presented the quality of God. Lord, you are my strength, which is His name as well as His characteristics. We see that they are directly tied with the Word of God, and the Word can show us His strength through His Word and in His Word. And so before us were presented four classic questions. With what characteristics does Scripture endow the strength of the name of God Most High? Second, what purpose in our relationship with God are the powers contained in the strength of the name of God Most High intended to fulfill? Third, what conditions are necessary to fulfill to give God the basis to reveal the potential of His strength and battle with our enemies in the face of the old man with his works and Saul who searches to destroy us? And the fourth question, by what sign should we test ourselves that in our heart abides the powers of the strength of God Most High? We today are going to answer the second question. And so the second question, let's again read it. What purpose in our relationship with God are the powers contained in the strength of the name of God most higher intended to fulfill? So why do we need this name? Lord, you are my strength. 
And we today are going to look at two qualities that are very closely tied to one another. And so the first purpose of the strength of the name of God Most High in our earthly body is called to cast into sea the chariots of Pharaoh and his army in order to finally destroy the power of death in our earthly body and drown it in the deep waters. The power of death is necessary to be drowned in the deep waters of God. Exodus chapter 15 verses 2 through 6 The Lord is my strength and song. He has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise Him. My Father is God and I will exalt Him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is His name or Yahweh is His name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has cast into the sea. His chosen captains are also drowned in the Red Sea. The depths have covered them. They sink to the bottom like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, has dashed the enemy in pieces. And so the Egyptians, of whom are mentioned here, or whom are written about here, against whom the Lord revealed his strength, are descendants of Ham, which represents the soul of a righteous person, but is found in the control of reigning sin in the face of the old man with his works. It is the soul of a Christian person who has been justified. Egypt is presented as a descendant of Ham. Let us read of where it is said of Egypt as a descendant. Not just a descendant, but Ham had lots of descendants. The people of Canaan, the Philistines, all of these desires, works of the flesh, but it was specifically in Egypt, in Pharaoh, in intellect, that Ham had given his whole power and all of his firstborn right. This is how he had valued Pharaoh. And so let us take a look at where this is written, that the Egyptians, or Egypt, was the, the strength in the tents of Ham. Psalms 78, verses 40 through 51. How often they provoked him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. They did not remember his power the day when he redeemed them from the enemy, when he worked his signs in Egypt and his wonders in the field of Zon. He cast on them the fierceness of his anger, wrath, indignation, and trouble by sending angels of destruction among them. He made a path for his anger. He did not spare their soul from death but gave their life over to the plague and destroyed all the firstborn in Egypt, first of their strength in the tents of Ham. Here we see that it turns out that Egypt is the strength of the tents of Ham. For Ham, this was tides. He placed all of Ham in the Egyptians, which is an image of the sphere of the soul in the format of our intellect. And so Pharaoh is an image of the rational sphere of the soul that is made dependent on reigning sin in the face of the new man with his works, over which, oh, reigning sin in the face of the old man with his works, over which stand the organized powers of darkness that represent the inherited program of sin and death in the old man. The chariots of Pharaoh and his army is an image when the rational sphere of the soul, inflamed by the hellfire of the old man, uses the power of the volitional and emotional sphere of the soul against our spirit, born of God, from the seed 
of the eternal word and forewaining sin in the face of the old man with his works in the image of the chariots of Pharaoh's army and his captains to be drowned in the deep waters it is necessary to proclaim the faith of our heart in who God most high is for us in the strength of his name and what God most high has done for us in the strength of his name so he has said to Moses, Moses, what is in your hand? A staff? Well, stretch it out against the Egyptians. And when he had stretched it out, and he began to proclaim who God is for him, what God has done, talking with us symbolically, then the Lord showed his strength, and Egypt was destroyed. Under the strength of the name of God Most High, we see the crushing and the building power of the strength of the unchanging word emanating from the mouth of the Most High God, which becomes legitimate and effective in our hearts, subject to our fulfillment of our role in the covenant that God made with our fathers. It's important for us to understand that only when we have a tied to our spiritual fathers, then we have the legitimate opportunity to use the name of God, strength. In other words, this is going to be an illegitimate use of the name of God, strength, because the Lord is our strength, as we read in the book of, read in the book of Exodus. Who is He? He is the God of my fathers. I shall praise Him. God's strength is the name and God of our fathers, therefore we must be tied to our fathers. And this role consists in that we, following the example of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, with whom God entered into his oath of covenant, enter the depths of the deep water and carry after ourselves the chariots of Pharaoh and Pharaoh's chosen army. And now let us consider when and under what circumstances all the waves of waters of death passed over Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in their own lives, so we can get the possession of the good land, which is our earthly body, redeemed by God in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, from the power and law of sin and death. So let us turn to the image of the covenant that God made with Abraham. Then we will take a look at what he did with Ab Isaac and Jacob. So the God of our strength, he can be legitimate only when we are found specifically when we're tied to our fathers because it is he who made his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob where? In the death, in these deep waters. And why did Moses have a tri triumph over Pharaoh? Because at one point in his life, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were immersed in the same depth of water. And in this covenant and death, they took victory for Moses and, of course, for us for us, for the church. And so let us look at Abraham, where he was immersed into this death and made a covenant with God. I'll remind you that we are talking about how and what purpose is in the name of God's strength. Lord, you are my strength. Strength is found in the word. The word refers to the covenant, the contract between both sides. And so Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they make a covenant with God in death. Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 through 18. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, 
Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus? Then he said to him, I am the Lord, who brought you out of the Ur of the Chaldeas to give you this land to inherit it. This land that is right now found perhaps in the corrupt lust or reigning sin, in destruction and illnesses. How am I going to know that I am going to have this land? How am I going to know that I'm going to govern this body according to your word? The Lord said, Bring to me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Then he brought all these to him and cut them in two down the middle and placed each piece opposite the other, but he did not cut the birds in two. When the vultures came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. Now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and behold, horror and great darkness fell upon him. Then he said to Abram, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, and will serve them, and they will afflict them four hundred years. And also the nation whom they serve I will judge. Afterward they shall come out with great possessions. Now as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at a good old age. But in the fourth generation they shall return here, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. And it came to pass, when the sun went down, and it was dark, that, behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between those pieces. On the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your descendants I have given this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. Pay attention here. He practically took victory here for Israel. He practically had allowed Moses here to stretch out his staff and to proclaim something. He needed to lay a foundation, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, upon making a sacrifice so that then Moses, or then the staff of Moses, could work, that our proclamations could work. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob needed to be at the foundation, foundation of our faith. And here was a specific price that needed to be paid. Then according to the dialogue of God with Abram in the vision in which God promised to give him dominion of the earth, the reason why he led him out of the Ur of the Chaldeans, Abram asked God a question, Lord God, what will you give me seeing I go childless? The Lord said to him, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. When Abram fulfilled this condition that was necessary for making a covenant with God with regard to the good land that refers to our earthly body, and scripture says, On the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your descendants I have given this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. And so the first condition for our earthly body to be freed from the authority of the old man, we, like Abram, had to leave Ur of Chaldeans, the image of which is the rational sphere of our soul that advises with our old man, Ur of Chaldeans, which is an image of Babylon. And so, Ur of Chaldeans, it is an image of the rational sphere of our soul, but that is led by the old man. However, as we know, coming into the promised land, Abram, in the face of Lot, the soul of man, if Abram is our new man, then the face of Lot is presented, the soul, and along with Lot, for 12 years, he was found under tribute under the rational sphere of his soul in the face of King Keter Lamer, who was also out of Ur of Chaldeans. Take a look. 
He left out of Ur of Chaldeans with Lot his soul, which with which he had not yet separated. And because he went out and he went in the correct direction into the promised land, the Canaan land, in order to take the promise regarding the adoption of the body, but he was together with Lot, together with his soul. The Lord, Scripture says, Kederlamer from Ur of Chaldeans, he, they, he was paid tribute by Abraham and Lot. We can leave Egypt, but first we live Egypt along with us. And this Egypt continues to express himself in the wilderness. When Israel constantly turned to and from and said, it was better there back in Egypt. When finally Abram with his allies, Mamre, Eshkol, and Aner won a brilliant and crushing victory of the rational sphere of his soul in the, in the face of Keter king of Babylon. So when Keter saw what Abraham was going to, that he took captive the land of Sodom and Gomorrah, and he took Lot that was located there. The old man all of a sudden takes the soul of a person under control, and he says, I'm not going to let go of the soul. All right, the spirit is separated with the soul. The soul went in one direction, the spirit of the other. Ketelemer said, but I'm not going to give the soul up with, without a body, soul up. Abram said, I will take it. And then returning with victory, victor over Ketelemer out of Ur of Chaldeans in Hebron in the Royal Valley of Sheva, he honored Melchizedek, a priest of God Most High, with tithes from his best spoil, which he took from Ketelemer, but he refused the property of the king of Sodom that he won from Ketelemer. God, after these events, said to, said to Abram in a vision, Do not be afraid, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward is very great. I am the Lord who brought you out of the Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. And then Abram said, Lord God, how should I know that I will own it? Interestingly, the phrase, how should I know that I will own it, means what conditions are necessary for me to fulfill that I could rule the land for which you brought me out of the Ur of the Chaldeans. And so let us return to the condition we spoke of that is comprised of noting the kind of sacrifice that must be brought to God, that this promise given by Him that allows us to govern the land could be bound by His covenant. So the Lord said to him, Bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Figuratively, this condition stated, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God for your rational service or your reasonable service. The main essence of these sacrifices was comprised of the fact that on one hand, three of them had to be three years old. On the other hand, they had to be cut in half and each piece placed opposite of the other. An exception was a turtle dove and young pigeon who both had no need to be cut in half because the image of a turtle dove as a sacrifice is an image of our partaking to the category of the bride of the lamb, the church, to the chosen remnant of God. And so every sacrifice on our end can be legitimate only when we unite ourselves with the body of Christ. Whereas the image of a young pigeon is an image of the Holy Spirit who is the provider of our sacrifice to God. Of Jesus it is said that he brought himself as a sacrifice with the Holy Spirit. So same thing here. When Abram told, was told to bring a sacrifice, he said, bring to me 
a heifer, bring your partaking to the church of God, bring a turtle dove with the power of the Holy Spirit and not with your own ambitions. So bring me a pigeon and then bring me a three-year-old heifer. This is an image of our will, three-year-old goat, which is an image of our feelings and the three-year-old ram, which is an image of our rational sphere. These three were necessary to cut in half our will, our feelings, and the rational sphere. These three components that comprise the essence of our soul, our rational sphere, our feelings, and our will. God says, cut this in half with the word of God. Considering that our body is the weapon of the spirit and soul, and presenting our bodies as a living and pleasing sacrifice to God for reasonable service or sacrifice, we present as a sacrifice our spirit and the emotional and rational sphere of our soul. The three-year-old age of the three sacrifices points to our ability and readiness to bring fruit of the Spirit or to be ready to accept and fertilize our tripartite essence with the seed of the Word in which is contained the teaching of the Kingdom of Heaven. The purpose that God pursued in cutting our three substances means to separate the three substances of our soul from the three substances of our spirit. As it is written, Hebrews 4.12, where the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So all that can be divided, the word of God as a double-edged sword pierces and so only when our body is presented as a sacrifice that meets the requirements of the given condition God by dividing the three substances of our soul from the three substances of our spirit will receive the basis to affirm with his law the promise about the governing of our body or include this promise when making a covenant between himself and us when the fire of God passed between the divided parts of the sacrifice, the capabilities of our soul were made dependent on the capabilities of our new man. And so, this was the first standard. Scripture says that in order for us to have the strength of the name of God, strength, we need to have this interesting standard in the face of Abraham who allowed the Word of God to completely separate and divide everything in Him. For what? For why Why do I need to divide my spirit from soul? Because I need to work with my soul. He, as a doctor, comes and separates the soul and spirit, and he begins to work specifically with the soul of a person. He begins to cut it in three parts, cutting and separating the will from emotions and from the rational service because everything is upside down. Then when he has done this with his word, with his double-edged sword, he places the emotions dependent on the will, the will dependent on the rational service, the rational service dependent on our spirit, and our spirit made dependent on the Holy Spirit. And in order for this to be a parallel, where we receive the capability to hear the Holy Spirit in our spirit, and not stopping there, we then begin to understand our spirit and our mind. The Word of God needs to divide not just the spirit-soul, but also to separate the soul and to place it in an order. Emotion, will, 
mind, rational capabilities that are made dependent on our spirit. This is an interesting order present here. This is Abraham. We still have several more patriarchs, Isaac and Jacob. The next standard we must coincide with to have a relationship toward the covenant that God made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to inherit the promise related to the door of our hope is like Isaac to become a sacrifice in order to give God the basis to cover us with the waters of his death. So the second patriarch is immersed in the waters of death so that the waters of death can pass over it. We see that Abraham went through death and now Isaac. Abraham brought a sacrifice and Isaac became a sacrifice. Take a look at the difference. Isaac brought a sacrifice, Abraham brought a sacrifice, and Isaac himself became a sacrifice on the altar. God wants to show us something. Is this not true? Genesis 22, verses 7 through 18. But Isaac spoke to Abraham his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. The two of them went together, and they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there, and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand, and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, Here I am. And the angel said, Do not lay your hand on the lad. This happens, occurs in our heart. And do not do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram, caught in a thicket by its horns. Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the stand which, sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. Take a look. The second sacrifice over which the waters of death had passed. This was a second standard, Isaac. If Abraham received a revelation regarding the adoption of our body upon making a sacrifice, then Isaac must become the sacrifice on the altar. But this is not enough. We need Jacob, the one who will be able to take all of these blessings which are found to accept them in battle with God and then to give them all, to all his patriarchs, to his sons, the twelve patriarchs. And so the next standard we must coincide with to have a relationship toward the covenant that God made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to inherit the promise related to the door of our hope. It's like Jacob to give God the basis to cover us with the waters of his death. Abraham was covered by death. Isaac was covered by the waters of death, and now Jacob needs to be covered by the waters of death for what? So that now he can receive the specific 
and real promises made in a covenant. Let us take a look. Genesis chapter 32, verses 6 through 31. Then the messengers returned to Jacob, saying, We came to your brother Esau, and he also is coming to meet you, and four hundred men are with him. So Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. Then Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him. A man, this is referring to God, who wrestled with him until the breaking of day. He had to until the breaking of day, until the coming of Christ, to receive a specific blessing of which God spoke to Abraham and Isaac. But Jacob had to specifically, before the breaking of the sun, upon the rapture, to receive some kind of blessing. And when he saw he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, What is your name? He said, Jacob. And he said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked, saying, Tell me your name, I pray. And he said, Why is it that you ask about my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. Just as he crossed over Penuel, the sun rose on him, and he limped on his hip. So here, three patriarchs. Three patriarchs who were called to take the promise and death for us that is going to lay at the door of our hope before the breaking of this day. If Abraham received this promise and had strengthened it upon the sacrifice, then Isaac needed to become the sacrifice and Jacob the patriarch needed to receive the specific blessings on the promise that had already existed. And now these blessings, he has the right to pass on to his 12 sons. And so let us move on to the second aspect. We will see one patriarch, whereas it was written that he was the best of the brothers. This was Joseph. In him were concentrated all the promises that God had prepared for the church, for the wife of the bride of the Lamb. And so the next aspect of the purpose of the name of God most high in us is to push the peoples to the ends of our land, which is our earthly body redeemed by God from sin and death. And this, of course, is referring to Joseph. And so we laid Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as the foundation. They received a covenant, and this covenant has specific blessings for us. Now, these blessings need to be realized. And Joseph will do this for us. Deuteronomy 33, 13-17 And of Joseph he said, Blessed of the Lord is his land, with the precious things of heaven, with the dew and the deep lying beneath, with the precious fruits of the sun, with the precious produce of the months, with the best things of the ancient mountains, with the precious things of the everlasting hills, with the precious things of the earth in its fullness, and the favor of him who dwelt in the bush. The blessing come on the head of Joseph and on the crown of the head of him who was separate from his brothers. His glory is like a firstborn bull, and his horns, we are talking right now about the strength, his strength is like a firstborn bull, and his horns 
like the horns of the wild ox. Together with them he shall push the peoples to the ends of the earth. They are the ten thousands of Ephraim, and they are the thousands of Manasseh. Beginning phrase starts so, and of Joseph he said, Blessed of the Lord is his land with the precious things of heaven. And the concluding phrase sounds like this, Let the blessing come on the head of Joseph and on the crown of the head of him who was separate from his brothers. From this concluding phrase, it follows that in order for these blessings to become a reality for Joseph, first they had to be on the head of Joseph and only then on the crown of his head. Not on the head as is written here, but it is written on the head. He who was the head of Joseph said they could be also. From this it follows that if Joseph, Joseph would not have accepted the order of the head over himself in the face of his father Jacob, God would not have had the foundation to lay the blessings that belong to his body on the crown of his head. And let us remember that in the twelve names of the patriarchs, and in part, the name of Joseph is hidden, the remarkable fate that is contained in divine redemption for our earthly body in the strength of the name of God Most High. And so the name Joseph means God shall multiply or add more children. Obviously, Scripture always views the image of children as the fruit of our spirit that is called to define our fate in our earthly bodies in the dimension of time. And in this case, the strength of the firstborn bull and the dignity of the name Joseph, yielding in our body the strength of the name of God Most High, is defined by our ability to abide in Christ in whom we are seen as firstborn in the eyes of the Heavenly Father. Strength is tied to the firstborn bull. The firstborn bull here is our ability to see ourselves in the eyes of the Heavenly Father. Hebrews chapter 1 verses 1 through 6 For to which of the angels did he ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you, and again I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. But when he again brings a firstborn into the world, he says, Let all the angels of God worship him. We are found in a kind of son, and when if, if we are found in Christ Jesus and we have the ability to dwell in him, then we have the strength of a firstborn bull, the strength of the horns of a wild ox, in the virtue of the name Joseph, yielding in our body the strength of the name of God Most High, is defined by our ability to give Christ the basis to abide in us, in the dignity of the truth of His teaching, in the dignity of the Holy Spirit, as the ruler of our life. And so, the strength of the firstborn bull, we are found in the birthright of Christ, and the strength of the horns of a wild ox, is our ability to place this truth in ourselves that Christ can be in us, and we then receive this power and might and strength of the horns of a wild ox. What purpose is contained in the virtue of the name Ephraim and Manasseh, which are called to be the basis for enabling the legal powers contained in the strength of the firstborn bull and horns of a wild ox? So these horns are presented for us in the name Ephraim and Manasseh. First, we are placed in Christ Jesus, and we receive strength of a firstborn bull, and then we place the word of God in ourselves, and we receive the strength of the horns of a wild ox, and the strength of the horns of a wild ox are presented 
in the name Ephraim and Manasseh. Let us take a look at what these two names mean. The name Ephraim means fruitful land, whereas the name Manasseh means forget or erase memory of sufferings. Without the presence of both these dignities obtained by us in the fruit of our womb, in the face of Ephraim and Manasseh, we will not have the ability to unveil the God-given potential of the strength of His name in the strength of a firstborn bull and the horns of a wild ox. A fruitful land is the image of a good heart whose conscience is cleansed from dead works, and to blot out sufferings from our memory is the image of a good heart able to give the trespasses of carnal Christians against us. As long as a person does not use the strength and authority of the firstborn bull and the horns of a wild ox to overcome all the enemies in his body, the blessings given to our land in the dignity of our body in the dimension of time cannot be claimed by us. And before turning to these blessings where a pastor will show these seven blessings of Joseph, he highlighted that in order to turn to the blessings of Joseph, it is necessary for the Lord to say that your strength is like the firstborn bull. I place you in Christ when you are in this, you are a part of the chosen remnant, and this is not enough. He says, the firstborn bull must have horns, horns like a wild ox. What is this? This is Urim and Thummim, that I then place you in before placing you in the church of Christ. How can I define, do I have Urim and Thummim? Because I can, with the intellect, provide commentaries to the word of God, thinking that this is the Holy Spirit that is revealed. And my mind is a prophet, but for this not to happen, Urim and Thummim reveal themselves in these two horns in the name Ephraim and Manasseh. The name Ephraim means fruitful land, and Manasseh means the Lord allows memory of sufferings to be blotted out. Therefore, this name Manasseh, the Lord blots out or erases the memory, not just in us, he, not just our memory, but his memory. He blots out the memory of all of our sufferings, then in the name Ephraim, which means fruitful land, we have the opportunity to offer the fruit of righteousness. Without Manasseh, we won't be able to place ourselves in Ephraim. Manasseh, the Lord blots out memory of all of our sins, and in Ephraim, who is the fruitful land, the Lord allows us to grow the fruit of righteousness out of justification. Well, good. Now, if we have this, and this is verified very easily, if we are able to forgive the offenses brought on by us by other people, perhaps carnal Christians, and we have the ability to have a fruitful land, or rather to prepare our heart to hearing the word of God, then this means that we have this power of the horns of the wild ox. But if we can't forgive to people their trespasses, then these seven blessings of Joseph that we will read of, they are not for us. That's why Pastor Ver, uh, said, do you have the strength of a firstborn bull? Do you have the horns of a wild ox? Do you have the ability to forgive one another so that with these horns of a wild ox, you could destroy the old man in the temple of your body so that there is no place so that he may be cast out from the limits of your body? 
Therefore, we must remember this always and not with our horns hit the children of God, but to hit the old man. Sometimes a person comes up and says, you know, I, I worry about this person, he's doing this and that, and I'm in such anger against him. I say, you know, see this other person standing? He, I say, he does the same thing. What will you say of him? No, he's good, he's orderly. I say, now tell me about that person that brings you to such anger. Have you had a conflict? And he says, oh, I can't forget, I... I had a conflict with this brother. Okay, you had a conflict at one point, and now, upon any of his sin or mistake, a person uses his horns in order to attack the inheritance of God. Whereas these horns of Ephraim Manasseh is meant for us to destroy the old man in the limits of our body. But how? How do we destroy the old man with these horns? Manasseh, the Lord allows me to forgive my offenders, and Ephraim, the Lord allows me to offer fruit of righteousness. And so, if we have this, we will turn to the essence of the blessings that are meant for our land, which is referring to our earthly body, where we have read Deuteronomy 33, verses 13 through 17, the seven blessings for those saints that have the strength of the firstborn bull and who destroyed the old man and their essence with their horns. In the face of these uh, let us read these seven blessings and then we will talk about each of them individually. First, these are the precious things of heaven in the form of dew. Second, these are the gifts of the deep lying beneath. Third, they are the precious fruits of the sun. They are the precious produce of the moon forth. Fifth, they are the best things of the ancient mountains. Sixth, these are the precious gifts of the everlasting hills. These are the precious things of the earth in its fullness. Seven. Here are seven blessings for those who collaborate with the name of God, my strength, and those who have the strength of the firstborn bull. This set of seven aspects of the blessings of God given to our land in the name of Joseph are the great destinies of God, destined for the bodies of God's chosen remnant in the dimension of time. The word precious, which is repeated in almost each of these seven blessings, precious, 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 the word precious means passionately desired, the best, chosen, favorites, valuable, and superb. By the nature of the blessings available, one should judge what powers our earthly body will have in the dimension of time when we, within the limits of our body, with the strength of the name of God Most High given to us, in the name of Joseph and the dignity of the strength of a firstborn bull and the horns of a wild ox, push out from the limits of our body all nations in the face of the old man with his works. And when we have this, seven blessings belong to us. And so let us talk about each of them quickly. And so the first one, Scripture says, the first blessing are the precious gifts of heaven in the image of dew. And so the precious gifts of heaven in the image of dew is a collection of the gracious mercies of God, of which our new man is the keeper and exponent of. When we are called to rule in our earthly body and clothe our earthly body, in the dimension of time after we push out the peoples resistant to it. The precious gifts of heaven, precious gifts of heaven are the mercies of God 
that God has placed in our new man, and which are this mercy in us, which we are called to reign. And then after this reign, this reign of the new man in our essence, we are called to be clothed into it. And these are the precious gifts of heaven in the image of dew. Dew, referring to the precious gifts of heaven, is an image of speech that speaks the doctrine and the revelations of the Holy Spirit about the high purpose of our earth in the dignity of our earthly body. Deuteronomy 32, 2. Let my teaching drop as the rain, my speech distill as the dew, as raindrops on the tender herb and as showers on the grass. Which it should be borne in mind that we can only realize the inherited promise intended for our body in the dimension of time only when we push out all the nations hostile to us within our body in the face of the old man with his works through the word preached by the messengers of God. When we do this, then the precious gifts of heaven, or rather our new man, is going to be a blessing for us. Our new man is going to be a blessing for us. What kind of a blessing? We are going to be able to reign him in our essence through righteousness, and then having reigned him through righteousness, we are going to be clothed in what? We are going to be clothed into the new man. Our new bodies, or bodies that we are going to receive before rapture, others a little later, they are going to be clothed into the new man. And in order for them to be clothed into the new man, it is necessary for us to receive these precious gifts of heaven in the image of dew with which we are blessed with and which we are clothed in in the face of the new man. We are called to cover our land with these proclamations, with this dew. This is the potential that God placed in our new man in the spirit which God has give, given birth to. This is the first blessing with which God begins with the precious gift, the reborn spirit that comes to perfection, the potential that is found in Him. And this is a blessing. This blessing is already in us. We simply need to collaborate with the horns of a bull so that this blessing can cover, can cover our perishable deadly bodies. Second, the image of the deep lying beneath is an image of the powers of the strength of the name of God Most High called to destroy in our body the volitional abilities of our soul in order to give God the basis to turn these volitional abilities into an instrument of God. We first talked about the precious gifts of heaven and now we will talk about the depth or the deep lying beneath. In order for us to understand the definition and the contents of the deep lying beneath, the fruit of which God, the fruit with which God blessed the land of Joseph in the image of his body, we need to distinguish in our body one kind of depth from another kind of depth, each of which has its own Leviathan. And practically in the bodies of saints who accepted the promise relating to the door of their hope, one Leviathan in the form of a serpent running straight and a serpent squirming will be given as food to the other Leviathan, who is on his path of light, which is called the path of the righteous. For us is presented two depths, two Leviathans, and one Leviathan must be given as food to the other Leviathan. Let us first take a look at the Leviathan from the positive sense, and then we will look at the Leviathan from the negative sense. And all of this is found in us. Job 41, verses 31 to 34. He makes the deep poil like a pot. He makes the sun like a pot of ointment. 
He leaves a shining wake behind him. One would think the deep had white hair. On earth there is nothing like him, which is made without fear. He beholds every high thing. He is king over all the children of pride. In one of his songs of praise, David sang Leviathan as a creature called by God to play in the depth of the waters. Psalms 104, 25-27 This great and wide sea, in which are innumerable teeming things, living things both small and great. There are the ships that sail about. There is that Leviathan which you have made to play there. These all wait for you that you may give them their food in due season. And so what does it mean to play? Scripture says that there is the Leviathan that you have created so that he can play there in this depth. To play, we are talking about this Leviathan in the positive sense that we have in our essence. To play means to laugh, rejoice, be glad, dance, as well as despise and mock. To mock over the uh, mock the wicked. Under the image of Leviathan whom God admires and who plays in the great depth of waters of our body, we should consider the image of a new person living in our body which is an organized partaker of the body of Christ and represents in our body the power and strength of Christ's righteousness. The deep waters in the bodies of the righteous is the depth of the wealth, wisdom, and the knowledge of God, while the depth of waters in the bodies of sinners who have departed from God is the depth of their madness and destruction, causing the depth of endless suffering, madness, and horror. The next name of the good depth, we talked about how God blessed the precious deep lying beneath. And so the next definition of a good depth in which we met, meet in Scripture is associated with the circular line drawn across the face of the deep. Proverbs 8, 27-30, When he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limits that the waters would not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him as a master craftsman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him. For God to draw a line on the face of a good depth means to place this depth in his depths in order to affirm and strengthen it in his depths by setting limits for it in the dignity of his statutes, and its waters do not cross the limits of his word. So here God has circled the depth, and this is when we when we write the word of God, the statutes of God, the commandments of God, when we place them in our heart, which was first cleansed of dead works, this allows God to circle them. When He circles them in our depth, this is very important. When He makes the circle, we can control the waves of our emotions. If we do not control the wave of our emotions, if we say, I simply cannot handle what is going on in the church, well, how can you handle it? If a pastor can handle it, we cannot handle it? Well, what is this? Can this be possible? Pastor handles, is patient, waits, prays. Can we not handle it? Why? Because we are not known with the blessings of Joseph. God says, I have uh, drawn a circular line. I drew a circle on the face of the deep. Now I can control the waves, your emotions. Now the 
Waves of your emotions can be controlled. God places his statutes, his word in my heart. And this allows him to draw a circle and to take my feelings and emotions control. The next name of the next definition of the good depth with which we meet in scripture is connected with the truth of God and with his great destinies prepared for men. There's also a good depth we must have. Romans 11, 33-36 Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. Here the depth represents the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord, who has become his counselor, or who has first given to him, and it shall be repaid to him. For to him and through him and to him all are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. The phrase for of him and through him and to him means that the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God and the incomprehensible and unsearchable destinies of God destined for God's chosen remnant is in Christ, comes from Christ and given to Christ. Since we are found in him, this means that this is the depth of the wisdom knowledge is found in us. And now let us look at the evil kind of depth, the bad depth, which must be swallowed up by the good depth of the waters. It is also found in man. The kind of evil depth opposing the good depth of water which we meet in scripture is associated with the name of hell, which is both a state and a personified leviathan as a running serpent and a bending serpent. Let's look at where this serpent is presented. Revelation 22, 15-17 through 17. So this Leviathan, this serpent is found in the bad sense of the depth. The serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. But the earth helped the woman and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. And the dragon was enraged with the woman and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. And in order to destroy the head of Leviathan, who runs, and the one that bends, he needs to be deprived of the weapon that is the depth of waters that comes from his lips and the word, and the words represented in the format of Christian slogans. The weapon of the Leviathan is not a faith teaching, but these are slogans. The earth which helped the woman swallow the depth of water in the format of a river coming from the mouth of a dragon is our earthly body, for which we took a promise related to the door of our hope to destroy the power of death in our body and in its place to erect the power of eternal life and the resurrection of Christ. So practically, if our earth, scripture says, the earth had helped the woman, earth helped the church, and she will help me. What kind of earth? That earth that has accepted the truth of the promise regarding the adoption of the body. And that doctrine, he takes it on the basis of the word of God. He says, this is presented in the format of beautifully written slogans. And if a person has accepted the promise for his body, then the earth will help him destroy these lies, to swallow them up. Why? Because in order to accept the promise that relates to the door of our hope, 
it includes not beautiful slogans, but it includes the whole faith teaching. It's not said there that you are saved. Well, beautiful slogan, but when they say, Lord has blessed you, you must have everything. Well, that's not bad. I like that, right? Like in the 80s, there was the boom in the previous Soviet Union. God will give you 100. God will give you 100. And that and that. And you will go to America and he will give you this. People said, whoa, we never knew that God was so generous. Turns out that God gives everything. What beautiful slogans. And there began to be a movement. But we see that if a person has the promise in relation to his body, then it includes the fullness of the faith teaching. And this fullness allows us to swallow up these lies and to destroy them, as Moses had destroyed other staffs and rods of other men because he was stronger. We need to have something that is stronger than these beautiful slogans. We need to have the full truth, the truth that talks about the salvation of our spirit, our soul, and the adoption of our body, the full truth. And this kind of earth that has this promise regarding the reign of the resurrection of Christ will help us. The next name of the evil depth with which we meet in Scripture and which we are called to devour is presented in the name Abaddon. In Hebrew, it's the name of the angel of the depth, which is translated into Greek as Apollyon, which literally means destruction and the destroyer. Let us read Revelation 9, 1-11. And reading this place of Scripture, Pastor it gives definitions, specific definitions about what it means. And so let us read. And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to the earth. To him was given the key to the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and spoke, and smoke arose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. The sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. And out of the smoke locusts came up upon the earth, and to them was given power as a scorpion's, and the earth have power. So the fifth angel, from the seven angels having a trumpet, the sound of which can cast the stars of the skies from heaven to earth. This is a collective image of the commanding components of the Church of Christ, presented in Apostles and Prophets. This is that fifth angel, through the proclamation of which all this began to occur. The star that fell from heaven to earth from the sound of the fifth angel's trumpet is the image of one of the religious unclean spirits dwelling in the skies, which is part of the commanding powers of darkness, posing as the angel of light. The bottomless pit are the bodies of people who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. In the pit itself, in their bodies, is a smoke of pseudo-benevolence in which locusts are pseudo-truths designed to clothe these people in the confession of their mouths. As it is written, they were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth. These locusts were told, do not harm the grass of the earth or any green thing or any tree, but only those men who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. Under the grass of the earth and everything that resists people who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads is an image of people who have the seal of the living God on their foreheads. Furthermore, it is said, and they were not given authority to kill them, but to torment them for five months. Their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. 
In those days, men will seek death and will not find it. They will desire to die and death will flee from them. And so the five months of torment is not a measure of time, but a measure of the image of retribution for violating the fivefold ministry. Furthermore, we read, the shape of the locusts was like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were crowned against two, against the righteous. On their heads were crowned with something like gold, and the faces were like the faces of men. They had hair like a woman's hair, and their teeth were like lion's teeth. And they had breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the surround of their wings was like the surround of sound of chariots with many horses running into battle. They had tails like scorpions, and there were stings in their tails. Their power was to hurt five months, hurt men five months, and they had as king over them the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name is Hebrews Abaddon, but in Greek he has the name Apollyon. And so the locusts representing pseudo-truths in the bodies of people who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads, likened to horses prepared for war, this is an image of their emotional sphere in which there is no peace, whose waters throw mud and dirt. The pseudo-golden crowns on the heads of the locusts, a pseudo-righteousness that is found on their own virtue and their own evangelism, which they have made their trust. The human faces of locusts, likened to horses, are pseudo-theocracy represented in polar extremes, either in the dictatorship of a religious democratic regime or in the dictatorship of a totalitarian religious regime. And the locust teeth likened to the teeth of lions is the image of pseudo-love which is expressed in tolerance, veiled in envy, and hatred. So the teeth of a locust person says, I love you, but everything inside of him is vile. The breastplates, like the breastplates of iron, is pseudo-righteousness, claiming justice and influence in political structures of government. The sound of their wings is like the sound of chariots with many horses running into battle when the multitude of battles run into battle. This is an image of pseudo-anointing, imitating consecration in a format of an encounter, the pseudo-expulsion of demons, and a pseudo-exercise of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. This is the sound of the locust. There is a lot of sound, but there is no, there's nothing positive of it. Locusts having tails like scorpions with stings are images of the sting of death from sin, which derives its strength from the law that reveals sin. 1 Corinthians 15.56 The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. The next purpose of the bad depth, we are talking about the blessing of Joseph, that God had blessed him with the precious gifts or the deep depth lying below, and we must there define that there is a positive depth where God places his circular line that he draws, and there is an evil evil death where the serpent and dragon abide, where he is in the form of this locust. Now let us look at this other depth, evil depth, that is that could be in man. In the face of Avedon, discovers itself in the body of a person, in the lack of satisfaction of his eyes. The lack of satisfaction 
Proverbs 27.20, hell and destruction are never full. The eyes of man are never satisfied. While the good depth of water in the human body finds itself in the human body saturated with the image of God. Psalms 15.15, as for me, I will see your face in righteousness and shall be satisfied when I wake, awake in your likeness. To be saturated with the image of the face of the Lord means to be transformed into the same image from glory to glory as from the Lord's Spirit. 2 Corinthians 3.18 But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. And so we must have the blessings of the deep lying beneath. These depths have two Leviathans, and the Leviathan that is found in the good death, he must swallow the other Leviathan. The third blessing, we are blessed with the precious gifts of the sun. The precious gifts of the sun is an image of the weapon of daylight that represents the mind of Christ in our new man. Romans 4, 13, verses 12 through 14, The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. And so the sun is the source of daylight and warmth that is called to shine on the earth and rule over our earth with daylight, which is viewed as our earthly body made of dust and made dependent on the governing of the sun, yielded on our body as a light of the mind of Christ, which is the reasoning sphere of our new man. In this manner, the blessings represented in the weapon of daylight in our spirit and the dignity of the sun are called to protect our earthly bodies from the old man with his works, over which stand the organized powers of darkness and seductive powers of darkness in this world. And these seductive powers are excesses, feasts, drunkenness, voluptuousness, debauchery, quarreling, envy, and the like. We must note that by allowing and justifying one of the listed manifestations of the flesh, we become guilty of all listed actions. As it is written, James 2.10, Whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. In practice, we are called to be clothed in the perfection of our Heavenly Father, which is the armor of light, so that like the Heavenly Father, we will shine with our Son on the just and on the unjust, and in this manner condemn the works of the old man in us, as well as people over whom we carry responsibility before God. Condemning the works of the old man and protecting the works of the new man is viewed by Scripture as perfection that is inherent to the standard of perfection of our Heavenly Father. In this action are the precious fruits of the Son that come from the light of the mind of Christ, who is the reasoning sphere of our new man, born of God in Christ Jesus. And so here we must have the blessings of the fruit of the Son to show the Son for the just and the unjust and protect our body from the old man encroaching upon it. And this is possible we have the Son. And the Son, Pastor presented for us the mind of Christ. It is that teaching 
that is found in our spirit, the mind of Christ, mind of Christ in our spirit. It is the teaching that is written in our spirit. The fourth blessing are the precious produce of the moon. The precious produce of the moon is an image of the weapon of the light of the night, which represents the conscience in our new man that is cleansed from dead works and is the darkness in which God dwells and from which comes the light of revelation. Psalms 121, 5-8 The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. Considering that the sun as a source of daylight represents the mind of Christ in our new man, and the moon as a source of the light of the night represents in our new man the conscience that is cleansed from dead works, the precious produce of the moon are the revelation given to the earthly body in the dimension of time in the dignity of promises that relate to the door of our hope. This is one of the blessings. We have the precious produce of the moon. So if we have this blessing as we read, if our conscience is cleansed of dead works, and the teaching is placed in there, then the Son, the mind of Christ, we have the precious produce of the moon. Our conscience begins to illuminate the truth, the teaching of Christ. So when we say that the Son is an image of the Word of God, the teaching of Christ, then the moon will be our spirit. But if, for example, another image, as Pastor says, that the Son is our spirit, then the moon is our rational sphere, our mind. The question, what are we talking about when we're talking about the Son? Either we're talking about the Word of God, that this is the blessing that God gave Jacob, then in relation to the Son, my spirit is the moon. If we're talking about how the Son is, in this case, our spirit, then the moon for our spirit is our renewed thinking. And so, we must remember and know these things. And so, the fifth, best, the precious, or the best things of the ancient mountains is also one of the blessings, is the fifth one. It is an image of the works of the fruit of righteousness contained in a covenant of rest and grown by us, the cooperating of our good heart with the truth of the commanding teaching of Christ and the revelations of the Holy Spirit. Psalms 36, 6, Your righteousness is like the great mountains. Your judgments are great deep. Great mountains. This is called the righteousness of God. Your righteousness or the fruit of righteousness that was grown out of justification it is called the mountains of god and if we want to receive the mountains of god the promises of god how do we receive the promises of god scripture says your righteousness that is the fruit then your righteousness is like the great mountains if we desire to receive the promises of god yet we do not have the righteousness of god then we do not have the right to have any kinds of blessings your righteousness is like the great mountains. Your judgments are a great deep. The word ancient in relation to God and in relation to the mountains of God means that righteousness coming from the lips of God demonstrates the unchanging nature of the word of God. In Hebrew, the word ancient defining the nature of God means eternal, former, unaltered, faithful, mighty. He who watches over his words that it may be fulfilled. Whereas the phrase ancient mountains defining the righteousness of God contained in the ancient mountains means eternal and unchanging promises, the righteousness of God raised from the east, the righteousness of God found on the front side, 
This is from time, eternity, or former. It is the unchanging righteousness that coincides with the nature of the Most High. Here we see uh, ancient mountains. To be found in their everlasting arms means to be clothed in the power of the resurrection of Christ in the face of our new man. And so, we have the right in Christ Jesus to receive these blessings that are in Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They had given to Joseph, and through Jesus Christ, we have a right to this fifth blessing, the ancient mountains. The sixth, they're the precious gifts of the everlasting hills. This is an image of the promise that represents the inheritance of Christ in our heart for the redemption of our earthly body in the dimension of time, contained in the covenant of blood, salt, and rest, which we made with God in the baptism of water, Holy Spirit, and fire. God made a covenant in the hills in order for us to receive the blessing. We need to make with God a covenant of blood, salt, rest, where and baptism of water, Holy Spirit, and fire. Isaiah 55, verses 12-13 through 13, For you shall go out with joy and be led out with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you. And all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress tree, and instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree. And it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that it shall not be cut off. The phrase, go out with joy, is referring to a place out of which we will go. This is a place of slavery, groaning, yearning, and the enduring of a certain kind of sorrows. Considering that our innermost person, born of the seed of the word of truth, is free from slavery to sin and death, the place from which God promised us to come out with joy is corruption, in whose slavery are our bodies, as a result of our birth from the sin of our fathers, according to the flesh. The way out of slavery to decay is acceptance of the promise for our body in the dimension of time, which refers to the door of our hope expressed in meeting the Lord in the air. When the time for the fulfillment of this promise comes to its original position, our bodies will be freed from slavery to decay through the death of the Son of God, which God will deprive of the power of death, that is, the devil, and will deliver our bodies from the fear of death, which were enslaved, which we were enslaved to all of our lives. So, in as long as we, by the power of the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, are not liberated in our bodies from the law of sin and death, there can be no talk of leaving with joy, and therefore, there can be no talk of making a promise for our body which is contained in the precious gifts of the everlasting hills. What or who should be seen under the hills which are allied with mountains and trees in the field that will applaud to us when we come out to a certain place with joy? the mountain and the hill that will sing us a song and clap their hands along with the trees of the field when we leave slavery to decay with joy to be justified by faith should be viewed as the faith of our heart proclaimed by us. And when we proclaim the faith of our heart, here are the ancient hills, mountains, and trees that begin to clap when we begin to proclaim the faith of our heart with gladness. Without this, the Lord will not bring us out of the land of our slavery. What should be considered under thorns and briars in our land, instead of which cypress and myrtle will grow? In scripture, briars are regarded as a weed and as a variety of prickly thorns. Taken together, they are able to drown out the seed of any plant. 
The image of thorns grown in the heart is the position and state of the heart that is not cleansed from dead works, in which the seed of the word about the kingdom of heaven is choked by the cares of this world and the seduction of earthly wealth. Mark 4, 18-19 Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. What should be seen under the cypress and myrtle tree, which will be set by God for us as an eternal and indestructible sign? Cypress is the proclamation of the faith of the heart, that the Lord is righteous, just, upright, He is a rock, and there is no unrighteousness in Him. Psalms 92 The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree, he shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Myrtle growing in our heart instead of briars is an image of the fragrance of Christ from the righteousness in us. Myrtle is also an evergreen, which due to its aroma was used in decorating houses, weddings, and were building booths, special festive huts, on the days of the Feast of Booths. These were festive huts, again, that were built by the people, Jewish people, during the Feast of Booths. And also, it uh, is written about this myrtle that we must have, Second Corinthians 2, 15-17, For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one we are the aroma of death leading to death, and to the other aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? We are not as so many peddling the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as from God we speak in the sight of God in Christ. In order to have this fragrance, it is necessary for us to have myrtle and cypress. And how do we receive and grow myrtle and cypress? We need to first uproot briars and thorns. We were all born with briars in us. Here, Pastor Shit showed that when we, out of our heart, are able to uproot all evil works, thorns, then in their place will appear the cypress and myrtle. We will become a fragrance of Christ. The image of cypress and the image of the fruit of righteousness, the image of myrtle, and the dignity of the fragrance of Christ and our bodies in the dimension of time is the evidence of Enoch, which he received before being relocated to God. Now take a look. Myrtle and Cypress. The righteousness and fragrance of Christ is the evidence of Enoch. By faith, Enoch was taken away that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. Before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. That he has Myrtle and Cypress. How did he receive it? He uprooted briar and thorns from his heart and in its place appeared Cypress and Myrtle. He received evidence that he pleased God and this is the sixth blessing the seventh one and then we will pray very quickly uh, this these are the precious things of the earth and its fullness this is an image of harvest that is a result of dedicating of the members of our body to slavery unto righteousness Romans 6 19-22 I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh for just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, 
So now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? We must be blessed with the fruits of the land. These are blessings that are given to us in Joseph, the th precious things of the earth in its fullness. What kind of fruit did you have then? What did your land produce then? What kind of works? The works of which you yourself are ashamed. For the end of these things is death. But now, having been set free from sin, and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end, everlasting life. These words, your fruit to holiness and the end, eternal everlasting life, this is the seventh blessing of Joseph. I will bless you with the precious things of the earth in its fullness. What are these? This is holiness and life eternal. And we will remember that the dedication of the members of our body to slavery and to righteousness can occur under the condition that the emotional sphere of our soul is made completely dependent on the rational sphere of our innermost man. And on this note of the order of God in our essence, we will conclude. Therefore, we will be thankful for that word that we had the opportunity to hear and look into. And we will thank God for this word. May you be blessed in your prayer. Let us please pray. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you, Lord, that you have allowed us to be in this place, that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name, and the place on which you reveal to us and you remind for us the power of your covenant, the power of your covenant which you gave to Abraham in which you affirmed in Isaac when he was offered as a sacrifice on the altar. And we thank you for your covenant which the patriarch Jacob had affirmed when he in battle had separated for himself specific promises, not just for our spirit, but the promise for the salvation of our soul and the adoption of our body. We thank you that today we are able to be immersed in those promises which you gave to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob through the Lord Jesus Christ, being immersed in the baptism of water, Holy Spirit, and fire. Make a covenant of blood, salt, and rest with you, which gives us the right to Lord to, for the salvation of our spirit, our soul, and our body. We thank you, Lord, for all of those blessings that are found on the foundation of this covenant and allow us to receive the legal right to using these blessings of which you have said that they are being prepared and they are ready in heaven in order to give it to those saints who have been able to keep themselves in faith. We thank you for the promise and before using these blessings we thank you for the opportunity to thank you for these blessings. Allow us to represent the powers of the patriarch Joseph in our life and to say that in Christ Jesus we have the birthright of this bull. We thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, that we, in Him, through Him, have access to that grace 
which you have prepared for us. We thank you and we thank you, Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, for all those blessings that you pour out today and that you reveal to us through your word, through the light of your word, and through the power of your Holy Spirit. And we demonstrate before you the power of the firstborn bull. We thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, and that we have an organized partaking to the body of Christ. You have allowed us, Lord, to enter through these narrow gates so that we can have the powers of the birthright of Christ. We thank you, Lord, for the horns of a bull, for Ephraim and Manasseh that are found in our heart, that are contained. We thank you, Lord, that Ephraim and Manasseh, firstly, in relations between you and us, and you have said, Lord, that you forgive all of our transgressions, and you grow the fruit of righteousness by the power of the Holy Spirit. And also, Lord, you want to see grace from our side and demonstrating the powers of Ephraim and Manasseh when we have the ability to forgive the transgressions of our brothers and sisters against us and to completely blot them out of our memory which will allow us to push out all enemies, to push out the old man that tries to take our emotions, that tries to take our will and to use it against your inheritance. Thank you, Lord. We thank you that you have allowed us to forget any resentment, bitterness, to push out from our essence all suspicion against your inheritance, against your saints, and to completely throw them out, throw them out of our essence, which will allow us, Lord, to now go to the blessings of the Patriarch Joseph. We thank you for the blessing of the heavens, for the blessing that you have given we have been birthed to our spirit and our spirit is saved. We thank you for that mercy and for those riches, for that wisdom that you have placed in the format of the mind of Christ in our spirit. Allow us, Lord, today to reign grace in the face of the new man through righteousness in our essence, which will allow it through the soul to adopt our body. And for this, Lord, we thank you for the blessing of the depth where you want to use our soul and where you want to challenge where you want to challenge the serpent and the Leviathan that runs straight and bends in the face of our old man and we Lord are ready to devour him we are ready to devour him and to overcome this evil depth in us so that it has no power over us. We thank you, Lord, that in your death you deprived the power of death of power and that Leviathan of death does not present any danger for us anymore. All these slogans and all of that which he sends against us in the format of gossip, our land devours it because we have accepted for our body the promise of the reign of the resurrection of Christ and all that will be sent against us will be devoured. Be devoured by that life that is already in our essence. We thank you, Lord, 
or the gifts, precious gifts of the Son. We thank you for that teaching, for that truth that we had the opportunity to read and to remember today. We thank you for these great blessings and precious gifts of the Son. We thank you for the mind of Christ and that our spirit has the mind of Christ, that our conscience, in our conscience, your word is written. We thank you, Lord, for the precious produce of the moon that today our conscience collaborates with your word that today our renewed thinking collaborates with our spirit and you have allowed us to be taught to hear the Holy Spirit in our spirit and to understand our spirit in our mind we thank you Lord for the great and precious produce of the moon we thank you Lord for the precious blessings of the ancient hills and everlasting mountains. Thank you that you allow us to grow the fruit of righteousness and having grown the fruit of righteousness in ourselves, we magnify these great mountains and on these mountains you place your sworn promises, promises that you have promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and therefore allow us, Lord, to grow righteousness in our heart because if we are unable to grow righteousness in our heart then we will not have the hills upon which will be the sworn promises we won't have these mountains we thank you that our salvation received in the format of a deposit can be placed in circulation in the death of the Lord Jesus when we die to our nation to the house of our father and to our corrupt desires and when we allow the righteousness of God to reign the righteousness of God to become the great mountain in our essence and upon these mountains are going to be your sworn promises which you have promised to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob we thank you for the hills of God we thank you Lord for the fruit with which you bless our earth with that the fruit of our earth our body is resurrection this is holiness and this is eternal life we already Lord today thank you and today through the proclamation we come out with joy out of our slavery through proclamation and we thank you for the precious gifts precious fruit of our land for holiness for resurrection and for eternal life that fills our bodies. May your holy name be blessed. We thank you, Lord, for all of these truths that we hear in this place. And we ask you, may our pastor be given revelation for your church, Lord, that we can accept this revelation and to engrave it in our hearts. Renew with these revelations the sphere of our soul but then we can clothe, but then we can be clothed in these revelations in the face of our new man. We thank you, Lord, for all of these mercies that we have in you and for all of these blessings that you have hidden in your word and that you revealed to us by the power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for your Zion, for your church, and may each holy person, each one who fears God, may he be blessed before your countenance, our Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. 
and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We will conclude with our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep us from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory in unblemished joy, to God our Savior who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.